Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. We've discovered thousands of exoplanets across the universe and they come in a wide variety of sizes and shapes. Now because of that wide variety of sizes and shapes, that means there's also an incredibly diverse amount of chemical composition on these planets. Also, lots of different pressures and temperatures. All that means is that there's a lot of variety of strange and wonderful chemistry if you compare it to what's here on Earth. And how do we study it? Well that's what we're going to find out. Scientists from across the world are scanning the heavens, searching for new exoplanets. And often, when they find these new exoplanets, they realise that they're actually very, very large in size. Sometimes even larger than the largest planet in our solar system, Jupiter. Sometimes much larger. These are called mega-Jupiters, for example. And these very large gas giant planets are home to some very interesting properties. Because, you see, when you have an incredibly large planet, you have a lot of pressure on the inside of that planet. Now you imagine here on Earth we have gravity, and gravity is partly a function of the mass of our planet pulling you down towards it. But if you have a bigger and bigger thing, the larger and larger surface, you get more and more of that gravity, and that pressure of squeezing all that stuff in the core gets to an immense level. Now in some planets, this is enough to form large planet-sized diamonds, or maybe diamond showers inside these cores or upper atmospheres of these super large planets. But if you think about a large gas giant like say Jupiter or Saturn, the gases that are present in these planets become really really weird. Because you see when you apply a lot of pressure to a gas, strange physics and chemistry start to happen. Now, an international team of researchers have been studying exactly this, including people from the French Alternative Energies and Atomic Energy Commission, University of Edinburgh, Rochester, University of California, Berkeley, George Washington University, and of course Carnegie Mellon, amongst other places. And all these researchers are trying to answer one question. Hydrogen. What happens to that? Because you see, hydrogen is the most abundant element in our universe. And it's also the simplest. That's why it's number one on the periodic table. And that is a pretty interesting thing. It has only one proton and one electron in each atom. And that makes it incredibly simple. But you think, for something so simple, we really understand how it works. But that isn't quite the case. In fact, the simplicity is quite misleading. Now we think about hydrogen as a gas, a very flammable one at that. And that's what powers our stars, for example. But when you subject hydrogen to an awful lot of pressure, it starts to behave less like, well, a gas, and more like a liquid. A liquid metal, in fact, because if you look at where the position it is in the periodic table, it's there for a reason. Scientists don't have a good understanding of what's happening to hydrogen, what causes it to become a metallic-like liquid, because that's what exactly could be going on in the depths or cores of these large gas giants, from Jupiter and Saturn to the rest of the exoplanets across our universe. So to study this, the researchers were looking at the gas to metallic liquid transition and trying to build a detailed model for this. Now, to do that, they were investigating one particular heavy isotope of hydrogen, and that is deuterium. Now, deuterium is interesting because it has the same number of protons, but one extra neutron. And this extra mass makes it have some unusual properties. Now, the scientists were really, really interested in deuterium's ability 
particularly to absorb or reflect light. Now, most of the time, hydrogen as a gas just allows light to flow right through it. It's transparent in that regard. But if you start squeezing this deuterium and hydrogen to very high pressures, let's say or nearly 6 million times normal atmospheric pressure, 600 gigapascals, and if you ramp up the temperature to around 1700 degrees Celsius, you start to see some pretty interesting changes. Now, what they found is that about 1.5 million times normal atmospheric pressure, the deuterium switched from oh, transparent to opaque, and that meant it absorbed the light instead of allowing it to simply pass through. But it didn't really start to behave like a metal where it reflects light to nearly 2 million times normal atmospheric pressure, which is 200 gigapascals. And that's particularly interesting, because at that point, deuterium stopped acting like a gas and acted like a liquid metal, which is particularly fascinating to think about. Now, why is this important? Well, understanding how the most common element in the universe behaves is incredibly important for scientists, especially those studying not only our solar system, solar systems across the universe. So the better we understand such a simple atom and molecule, the more we'll understand a lot more about how our universe actually works and functions, and what's going on deep inside the cores of some of our largest planets. This is some great work being done by a large international team of collaborations, including Carnegie Institution for Science. Now hydrogen might be the most common material in the universe, but here on Earth, in the mantle, the upper layer, well, the most abundant elements are in fact oxygen and magnesium. But when we think about terrestrial planets inside our solar system, and maybe exoplanets outside our solar system, you can't make the assumption that they're going to behave mineral-wise just like Earth. And researchers, including three scientists from Carnegie Institute including Sergei Lobanov, Nicholas Hogotru, and Alexander Gonotrov, have been investigating how exactly the chemical composition of other planets may work. Now, we know that from studying other exoplanets that rocky planets end up with significantly different mineral compositions, and that mineral composition can lead to a lot of strange molecules forming. For example, in places that have elevated oxygen content that have been observed in stars that host rocky planets, so that might mean those planets might have more oxygen than you find even here on Earth. And that not just on the upper in the atmosphere, but inside the mantle, inside the cores towards the core of these planets. And that would be particularly interesting. So the chemical makeup of a host star and the surrounding cloud of debris will actually lead to very different chemical compositions of the planets around them. Now, for example, magnesium oxide is very, very common and it's remarkably stable, even under high pressures, and it doesn't react in the conditions found inside Earth's lower mantle. Whereas another type of magnesium called magnesium peroxide, MgO2, 
We can make it in a laboratory under super high oxygen conditions, but it's incredibly unstable when heated, which would be the case in, let's say, the core of a large planet. So when we want to think about the chemical composition of other planets, we have to think about the strange conditions that may arise there. They may have a large amount of oxygen. They may be larger than Earth, which means more pressure and more heat. So how do we test and think about the forms of stable chemistry that may exist in these strange planets? Well, you have to use a laser-heated diamond anvil cell in a laboratory. And you take very, very small amounts of magnesium oxygen and oxygen, and you combine them at different pressures to mimic the interior of a faraway giant exoplanet inside a laboratory. That, and they found that if you squeeze these magnesium oxide and extra oxygen together at 96 gigapascals, around 950,000 times normal atmospheric pressure, and heat it up to around 2,150 Kelvin, you actually get a new form of magnesium oxide forming. It forms magnesium peroxide. And what they find is that, well, what we find commonly in our mantle, magnesium oxide, may be incredibly different to what you see in other mantles. They may have the more reactive and highly chemically volatile magnesium peroxide, which is very interesting because it makes the chemistry of these interiors of these faraway planets fascinating and particularly violent and interesting. So when you want to investigate exoplanets, sometimes you have to squeeze things in your own laboratory and put them under immense pressure to try and understand just exactly what might be going on on the other side of the universe. There's some great research done by the Carnegie Institution. Another way of studying the interiors of faraway planets is to actually use spectrometry. And that is the study of examining the spectrum of light that we get reflected from these planets. And by that, trying to determine the chemical composition. And you can do that by using a small spectrometer to stare up at the sun safely through a lens. But you can also do that to do the same thing to study stars far, far away and potentially even the planets around them. And that's exactly what an international team of researchers, including researchers from the University of Geneva, University of Bern, have published inside the journal Nature, and studying what exactly is going on on a ultra-hot planet that was discovered last year. Now, when we say ultra-hot, we're talking about a planet that regularly reaches more than 4,000 degrees on the surface of the planet. And that is incredibly hot. And the reason why this planet is incredibly hot is that it orbits incredibly closely to its star. Now, the star in question is called Kelt 9. It's around 650 light years away from Earth, and it resides inside the constellation Cygnus, the Swan. Now, that star gets to temperatures of around 10,000 degrees, pretty normal, but it's about twice as hot as our own Sun. Now, this star is orbited by a large gas giant, a giant gas giant called Kelt-9b. Now, Kelt-9b is about 30 times closer to the Sun, or its star, than Earth is to the Sun. And that is pretty incredibly close. You think about how far we are away from the Sun, and it's in reality not all that far. This is 30 times closer, and it's also much, much larger. Now, that means that this 
planet, Kelt-9b, is getting heated to a tremendous degree, hitting temperatures, as I said, around 4,000 degrees. That's hot, almost as hot as our sun. Now, that's scary to think about when you think it's a gas giant planet. It's not with a surface that's melting and roiling, it's with gas. And that gas is somehow managing to survive and behave in a very unusual way. Now, based on the data gathered and collected from the spectroscopy, people have been trying to understand how the Earth, the chemistry, works on this strange gas giant. And that's where the University of Geneva's team of research called the Four Aces One team from the Department of Astronomy and the Faculty of Science, have been studying the results of the transit of this planet. A transit is when a planet moves in front of the star that it's orbiting. And when it does that, you actually get an obstruction of the light. And through this change, you can actually learn a lot. And we can study the colours that comes back. And then we did this using the Harps North Spectrography, which is inside Geneva and installed on the Telescopio Nazionale Galileo in La Palma. Now, what they found when they studied the results from this is like pouring over a treasure trove because there's a huge amount of data there. You get to see all the different elements that exist there, or rather, you can infer their existence by their absence between the readings because of the transit. And what they found was not one, but two interesting metals in vapour form. So we talked earlier about gas becoming a liquid metal. And this time we're talking about metals, solid metals, becoming a vapour, a dense misty gas. And the two metals in question are iron, pretty standard, and a pretty common metal, and titanium. And around this Kelt-9b, hovering in its ultra-hot atmosphere, are two very, very interesting gas forms of metal. And that is pretty exciting to think about. It just goes to show that across our universe, there's really, really strange conditions on all of these exoplanets. Some of them are super cold. Other ones that are super hot lead to really, really weird chemistry going on, like metals becoming gas. And this is some great work being done at the University of Geneva and University of Bern in Switzerland. So let's ignore the supergiant planets for a minute and focus on exoplanets that are kind of close to the size of Earth, in a range between two to four times the size of Earth. And we're going to limit our search and discussion for a moment to that size because, well, it's an interesting area to study. These planets will be rocky enough and small enough to not be subjected to super strange chemistry and pressures and other things that you see in gas giants. And that's exactly what a team of researchers have been doing, evaluating data from the Kepler Space Telescope and the Gaia mission. And lead researcher Dr. Li Zheng from Harvard University has been analysing and poring over of more than 4,000 confirmed or candidate exoplanets that fall into that size category. They average around 1.5 times the radius of Earth, and the limit of it is around 2.5 times the radius of Earth. And that's fascinating. And Dr. Li Zhang is leading an international team of researchers to pour over all the data that we've collected on those. 
Because when you analyse and study that data, what you find is very, very fascinating. The first thing that they're looking for is obviously how mass relates to radius. Because it's not sufficient to say that just because it has the same size, it's going to have the same mass. Depending on what your planet is made up of, you could have very different masses. Now, when you look at and compare to the model, in theory, you should expect a planet with the 1.5 times Earth's radius to be rocky. And those with a large one, let's say 5 times... So, when you expect a, a planet that's about 1.5 times Earth's radius to be rocky, and that would mean you would expect a mass of around 5 times of the Earth, just through the calculations of volume. And if you have like a, a planet with about a 2.5 times Earth's radius, you would expect a mass of around 10 times that of Earth. And if you see that, there's then the very, very strong likelihood that they have a lot of water. Because water is found pretty commonly here on Earth. And that is interesting because it actually varies the density of our planet. If you think about all the water on the surface and beneath the surface of our planet, that actually plays a huge role into the calculation of the volume of our planet, and the mass, for that matter. So if you want to go look for exoplanets with water, which we definitely want to do if we want to hunt potentially for life, well, then we need to look for planets that sort of match our mass-to-radius ratio. And that's exactly what Dr. Li Zheng and her team have been doing. Now, hopefully, to actually find water on the surface of a planet, you can't have the surface temperature be too high. If it is, well the surface will be clouded in water vapour, not actually liquid water on the surface. And if you moved colder, then you'd expect to find high-pressure ices that you would, you would see on these planets. So, you know, 1,400, not a small number of planets. They should be water-rich, and they'll probably have planetary cores similar to Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune. But they have also this Earth radius, similar nature, so if you take the 4,000 known exoplanets in that size range, about 35% of them are water-rich, based on that data alone. Now, they may, in some cases, be hotter or colder. They may have a lot of water vapour in their atmosphere, or they may have a lot of high-pressure water ice, depending on their proximity to their star. But this is some pretty interesting information that can be used by further missions to go study planets, like the James Webb Space Telescope, to go look into deep detail on them and actually find ones with lots of water. If we find a planet with a thick steam atmosphere, it's a good example that this model that's been built up by Dr. Li Jing and her team is a good case for hunting, for not only for water-rich worlds, but also for potentially for life on other planets. So this is some great work being done out of Harvard University, along with Massachusetts Institute of Technology. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. From metals becoming vapours to hydrogen becoming strange and metallic-like, we looked at the strange chemistry of large and small exoplanets and what that might mean for the search for life. Our ending theme was composed by Audio and Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.